Hi, this is Steve Roost, and you're listening to Health Tech Hour on UK Health Radio. Each week, we give you the best news, views, and interviews from the health technology world. From CEOs and founders to entrepreneurs and clinicians, the companies and people that are shaping the future face of healthcare. All on the world's number one talk health radio. Hello and welcome to this week's Health Tech Hour with me, Steve Roost. Each week we bring you the best news, views and interviews with the leaders, clinicians, CEOs and founders that are changing the face of healthcare in the UK and beyond. As regular listeners will know, I am a CEO and founder myself of a business called PocDoc, which means that I have a little bit of knowledge about the space. PocDoc are the partner that helps us put the show on, so thank you very much to them. PocDoc is on a mission to deliver entire diagnostic pathways, including quantitative blood tests digitally via the PocDoc app and the PocDoc tests. If you'd like to find out more information, please go to pocdoc.co. Thanks as ever to everyone listening live on the amazing UK Health Radio. Thank you particularly to Johan, the founder and CEO of the station, who he just told me before we went on air that he had a big birthday last week. So I want to wish him happy birthday and um, all the best. He's an incredible individual. He's been hugely inspirational to me and putting the show together and helping to get this show together and kind of creating um all of the amazing stuff that we've managed to do over the last nearly two years. So happy birthday, Johan, all the best. Um, Also, thank you very much to everyone who's listening on any of the podcast channels. Apple is blowing up for us at the moment, but Spotify is still going well. We're across all of them. And on average, we have listeners in over 40 countries every month, which is incredible. And we really appreciate everybody listening. I think part of it is due to the breadth of Uh, interviews and breadth of guests that we have talking about all kinds of different things so last show that we did with Carmelo Insulaco of Rapid Health got a uh, got a huge reaction actually especially his take on the differences between Rapid Health and Babylon Health and his view on the demise of Babylon Health so we got that show away literally two days after the expose in the Sunday Times about the fall of Babylon Health so if you haven't heard that one go check it out and this week we are staying with GPs and GP surgeries um, and we because we've got two guests on today who I've known for a couple of years, actually. They were on one of the NHS Digital Accelerators the year after PocDoc was on it. So um, a couple of really fantastic guys, Raj Kohli and Pete Huang, who are co-founders of a business called HealthTech One. Now, HealthTech One automates repetitive processes for NHS staff and businesses. Now, that may not sound massively glamorous on the face of it. However, it is critical because when you consider that the NHS has 590 million patient contacts per year, small changes in efficiency, uh, reduction of repetitive tasks can have a huge impact on backlogs, patient safety, patient outcomes, staff well-being, staff satisfaction. And as we all know, there are, well, I mean, I say we all know the the statistics that are mentioned in the press around staff satisfaction, patient satisfaction with the NHS are at an all time low and staff turnover and vacancies in the NHS are at an all time high. So anything that helps reduce those 
is and address those is obviously going to go down very very well so um raj pete welcome to the show how are you hey thank you so much for having us on um we are well good very calm and happy birthday to johan yes happy birthday to johan happy that. birthday johan yeah <laughs> johan nice i love it um so <laughs> you look like for the for the listeners you can't see but, uh, but you look like we're, we're you look like you're in a phone booth is that we correct are. or where are you we are in a phone booth inside my parents' GP practice. So I don't know oh, sweet! Yeah, maybe you can have a look. You I can like, see it. Wait. Yeah. Here we go. Hello. Here we go. Yeah. Um, We've just got a little mini tour there for everyone <laughs> on the radio. Um. Yeah. So we, we're based inside my my mum and dad's GP practice in East London in Stratford, um, and we've got a room in here, and inside it we have packed in, you know a whole series of former founders, incredible engineers, doctors, all working on sectioning up these repetitive processes that exist within healthcare and automating them. So let's dig into this, because I think you guys have a pretty interesting journey um, yeah. to where you got to today. So like, what, give, it, give us like the potted history of, of sort of how you guys came together and why you landed on the problem set that you've landed on solving. Because um, it's not necessary. I think like most people probably intuitively understand slash believe, oh, the NHS could probably be more efficient, right? Mm -hmm. At like a fairly macro level. But that's a long way away from finding anything that's specific enough to build a business around. So what what's your journey been like? Yeah, I mean, I suppose the first thing to say is that it was a journey of friendship. So me and Pete met in secondary school. Um, we went to a school called Dartford Grammar. Dartford Grammar School. That's right. Shout out Dartford Grammar School. Yeah, shout out <laughs> DGS. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I, th I don't know if we were that close in school, but we out of school online playing Halo. Super close. Super best, close. Best friends <laughs> <at the time. laughs> online. One of those hidden relationships. Hidden relationships. We'd yeah. run home after school and we'd we get the game you know we get the Xbox out and uh um uh, get the headsets on. Okay. And, and there we go. And I think the way we describe our lives is that they've kind of you know like all great friendships, they sort of like spiral in and out of each other. You go to different universities, but we ended up living together um post university and started jobs in startups and um, pete pete worked in what was it ikuku back then many i've worked for so many yeah, startups. Went in so many, love, love him yeah. so many startups and i, I worked okay. for this hair business and then went different ways again I, I went into accenture pete went into monzo bank so he was a software engineer there and um and then we there was this moment where we where we kind of decided that we'd leave our jobs to in the pursuit of doing our life's best work and mm didn't really have a big problem that we wanted to solve ourselves so we did what everyone does which is you know go solve somebody else's problem okay. um and we were we set up this little startup consultancy and we helped other other companies grow and you know uh find more customers and you know do things differently build product um until and partway through the pandemic where mum and dad who run a gp practice um basically said hey you guys know digital stuff like why don't you why don't you give us a hand um okay. Well, I think they needed more than a hand. Yeah. It was a pretty difficult time for most um, people. Yeah, I, th I think you might be understating things. Like <laughs> yeah. <that>. They <laughs> were like, everything's going online and, you know, yeah, like need some help. And I, I was a bit resistant because I was like, oh, I don't want to work mum and dad. But mum spoke to Pete because I've known okay. you And mum was like, you know, you, you should do this. And Pete was like, yeah, actually. And yeah, he sat me down and he said, you know, dude, you, I know you don't want to work with family, but... Um, 
this is something that, that is really amazing and can be something you can be very proud of a lot. So, um, yeah. And Al Rogers, I'm th- so proud of it. Yeah, now I'm missing. <laughs> <bucket. laughs> yeah, 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 it's what people probably don't know is that when we put the show together what we do is we get like bios of the people coming on and the bit about your parents gp is like the first line of the bio i lead i lead now with uh, i'm a third generation healthcare worker that's what, right. that's what I mean, again yeah. grandparents came in from india worked as nurses up in newcastle in the nhs and dad's gp mum also works in gp practice but you know, and I've worked as essentially an administrator in the GP practice right. um, as a kid, but also um, in later in life. As so what what was it that kind of like inspired you guys to quit your jobs and start the consultancy? Like, was there like a kind of a Damascene moment or an epiphany of any kind where you thought, you know what, this is it. I'm done. I can't audit another spreadsheet or like whatever it was. I think as friends, we liked working on projects and there's something about value fit and doing our life's best work. Timing's so important. So we had a real timing there that we could work together on. And we didn't just jump over. We're actually quite calculated. We did little small test projects. We worked on other small things, ensured that we had a first contract before even jumping out into the wild. Okay. So it, it was definitely incremental and we call it a helix. So over time, it wound closer and closer to the point now where we've got a business and we live together so you can't get we're essentially married in that sense. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. there was okay. a real dawning reality Never like you steve Marilyn. yeah exactly i was gonna say <laughs> I, know that, I know i know how that feels guys I did, I did i did the marriage thing before the business but it ultimately ends up in the same place <laughs> um, there was a big transition moment though so when mom and dad asked for some help we were given essentially full agency to process innovate and access okay. everything so for six months we had the chance to zoom out look around learn explore actually do the admin work we a lot of it was doing admin work getting trained up as nhs employees ourselves okay. and the learning point was oh my god what what a mind-boggling <laughs> amount of admin what like how like how because i think again like it's one of those things where i think people probably have some sort of sense at a macro level yeah. but have never come across you have never like moved across the the boundary to go behind the curtain to see what it's like so like what was it like when you got onboarded as h healthcare assistants or whatever you were yeah admin i mean assistance let's take the first like the first like process in the in the nhs in order to get access to healthcare first you need to be registered with the gp practice right yes yeah that's the first pro that's the first yes step. everyone knows one. that Right. Yeah. So you have to go to your GP. Typically, you have to go to your GP practice and you pick up a purple paper form called okay. your GP form. Or you can go online if they have that online functionality and submit an online form. But no matter what you do, some poor receptionist has to manually key those data points. Those 100 data points that you'll put on your online form or on your GMS1 form. Plus Is it 100 points? It's 100 data points. It's 100 data points, right? For um, registering with a GP, uh-huh. registering, well, because the core registration details quite is actually less than that, about twenty five. But because the first point of entry is a great moment to get lots of details on your patients, you know, like their height, weight, BMI. Right. Okay. They use it to take a baseline, kind of. They use it to take a baseline. It's your baseline, you know, sort of data entry, and so. These poor receptionists across the country manually keying in 100 date points on for every single 
you know record that comes through so you know take an average university practice they, they'll do they'll do you know thousands of uh they might do five thousand registrations over 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 a university season right and wow. they're being in half a million data points and poor receptionist right over months mm. you know that's, that's mad that's a that is a drop in 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 the ocean of general practice so how many how many days or hours after you started doing this did you realize that there was an issue like how soon into the process were you when you were like oh we're on something here oh i think it was a slow transition but there definitely was a big decision point i think we ordered we downloaded the Uber Eats app and got a curry delivered in 20 minutes Okay, from registration to delivery. And we thought, right. how come some of our closest, you know, relatives are taking, they're taking weeks to get registered. Healthcare should not be like this. So, it should be like this app. Going back to the registration piece, right? What's the, what is the, because this is what we always like to do on the show is yeah. like, talk about technical things and talk about operational things but what that just that one particular thing seeing as you mentioned it what is the downstream impact on patients of that particular inefficiency yeah, i mean the first one is is an inability to access healthcare so right. the first the first is that you're trying to get access to your gp to then be able to ask for an appointment and all that sort of stuff but until you're on your clinical system right um they can't you, see you you can't they, book a, they don't have your data they don't have your record they right. you know they're not, gonna, they're not gonna book you in for an online consultation right um so the you know, essentially that's the first barrier and because you've got to wait for the receptionist to key your details into the clinical system right so you could be right. waiting a week you could be waiting a month sometime yeah, but, had that, six yeah, weeks, yeah, yeah six weeks right six weeks you had We've wow. seen in six weeks yeah um for for patients to get registered especially over university periods where you get thousands of registrations all at one period of time right right and and then you know you've got a team of 10 working you know monday to sunday 6 a.m to 6 p.m just like keying in data um so is that what happens is that like is that the current solution is they get some kind of short-term bodies in to just code stuff (laughs) yeah they work overtime evenings weekends and they have staples of paper right like every form is five or six pages stapled together and they're just getting them done one by one yeah, yeah. this is in every university practice across the country three solid months wow. yeah, apart from apart from ours obviously obviously um, yeah that's what they're doing yeah yeah wow there's a, great, there's a great story about this which is our first university practice sue mountford shout out um on, he sue. had God not bless. taken on sue. Mm. not taking a holiday since she started uh, at the gp practice and she's done registrations for 20 years because during that period you're not you're not taking time off wow and then we came in to kind of help it was very difficult we we're early days but yeah. we managed to help her yeah. take a holiday yeah she went uh yeah. where did she go to she went to the, 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 no the plains of andalusia in spain that's <laughs> it that's where she went. <laughs> wow <laughs> do you know what i think she's had that trip cooking for a while that's a very specific yeah. don- do- location isn't it yeah, yeah she's been waiting for the opportunity yeah honestly amazing amazing yeah. woman yeah. So, um, okay so like you're you the, the the you you were working in your so it was covid was happening yeah you were in your your parents raj said hey look we could we could do with some help maybe yeah. what was it for that like, was there no how much sort of IT training support guidance is there for GPs or are they just left to figure it out themselves? 
they can either do it or not do it, but it's sort of on them to puzzle it out. Yeah, I mean, like like pretty much you know, most, I assume most, most primary care organisations, um, we have a very clunky old school clinical system built in the 1990s, right? Right. Um, and there is some elements of training. There's all these, there's lots of training quite quite available. There's these even training support units that are created to give training, but you've got such a high turnover of staff in general okay. practice, right? Um, you know, I've personally hired 10 people, you know, over the course of a year into my parents' surgery administrators. Um, and only, only one of them remains because it's such a difficult job. Like you're there as an administrator, the work isn't exactly riveting. Um, right. And you're also getting a torrent of like a, a yeah, sometimes abuse from patients at times. No one's no one's very happy, are they? Really? Yeah, it's like it's it's difficult, and the systems that you're using, you know, I don't want to swear, but they yeah, are. Yeah, it's a family show. We don't it, swear. That's yeah. the one rule. Yeah, oh, yeah, shoddy, yeah. Shoddy. It's it's it, they're not so great, and um, and what what does that mean? Well, it, it means that it's very difficult to get your work done, and you, you don't feel like you're really making a dent in 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 the constant stream of stuff, and it, people leave. And what had been done up until this point to try and make this situation better? Because presumably the situation was known to many people. So it wasn't an unknown issue that there were huge staffing banks of people coding bits of paper in endlessly. Um, Was there anything that had sort of been done? Anyone tried to address it or was it just sort of too mundane an issue? Hair on fire is the way to think about general practice. When you're inundated with front desk, middle desk, back office, non-stop, you can't hire. You're just caught in a treading water state. So we're privileged to be able to think about technology, build it, test it with users, run through analyses. But when you're in primary care and... Yeah, it's it's hard to change the the wheels of the the car whilst the car is driving, right? Um, It's it's the feeding. but also, like, there are some limitations, right, in that, you know, for the more interested health that users is that when you've got very old school clinical systems that are a monopoly over the market, um, you, you know, they're not incredibly incentivized to change or open up their various APIs. No. Uh, Do you is... mean like EMIS, System 1, those type of people, without uh, naming names? Without naming names, yeah. yeah. Like, that sort it, of thing. It is a, I've, I've often felt it's a... And we've we've come across this type of thing with PocDoc. It is an odd situation where you have a public health service, but that has a private access layer, if you like, mm. in front of it or around it. It's quite a strange one to try and get your head around. Mm. I mean, two system providers have 90 plus percent of the market you wouldn't see that in any other market at all uh, so they're so deeply embedded and they don't listen to users enough i think which is what we tried to bring we we have so much time to listen and to build for what people are asking for so it was it okay so partly they had the 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 gps themselves were it's also gps are highly fragmented in a way so yeah. they're all individual is is, is your mum and is your mum and dad's place a single place or have they got a number it's a group of four practices uh, okay uh, so about 50,000 patients in East London. Um, so I, I think, I think they're, they're highly fragmented, which is, which is a blessing for health for people who want to join healthcare, right? Yes. Because you've got individual decision-making units um, that can make a decision about whether to use your software or not, um, okay. whether it makes a difference to their lives. And you know, a lot of GP partners talk to me about like, oh, 
you know it's you know it's very difficult to be in general practice but there's also something very exciting about the autonomy that you can have as a gp practice because you can you really can change things yeah so we are going to go for our first commercial break right now and we will be back in two minutes with raj and pete from health tech one who are automating general practice to remove repetitive tasks at scale we'll be right back uk health radio the station that makes you feel good Nature's Medicine for Modern Living, a people and plants dialogue hosted by Sophie.Health. At Sophie, we bring together experts and voices who rarely cross paths. Our quest is to illuminate the ancient world of plant medicine and reimagine it for the connected age. Join us to explore new boundaries of digital personalized medicine with deep roots in the natural world and hear from our community of international pioneers who are validating this new paradigm and improving how we feel, sleep, and cope with daily stresses naturally. Sophie.health, reconnecting people and plants. Once upon a time, human slavery was just a fact of life. Right now, animal abuse is often considered normal In time, it won't be. Animal Aid campaigns peacefully against all forms of animal abuse and promotes cruelty-free living. Check out animalaid.org.uk. It's time for a kinder world. UK Health Radio, the station that makes you feel good. Hello and welcome back to this week's Health Tech Hour with me, Steve Roost, and my guests, Raj and Pete, co-founders of Health Tech One. So before the break, we were getting into some of the stuff around the kind of issues that you solve or have kind of landed upon. I want to use that if we can to give us, if you can give everyone an idea of about some of the other issues you found, and then we can get into your growth, which I know has been pretty meteoric. At this point, I, I've I've read some of the statistics that it that it's potentially outstripping some of the other more established players in the market. But I'll let you guys dig into that. But in addition to the registration piece, which I think is a like a amazing an amazing example, what were the other ones that you sort of came across and you thought, oh my goodness, we've now we're now building up a set of use cases or or, or um, user stories where we can really go to town with a software solution. There were so many on the project as we did kind of a loose six six month consultancy project, and I think triage was one of them. Um, okay, within that side, it's not a place we jumped into because we didn't notice there's so many players. Everyone wants to jump into triage, uh, just to name one of the issues. One thing that we're looking at next actually is lab reports. So we automate registrations and patients and practices save that time and it's better for them. And we're helping admin staff. We want to help doctors because we're not getting doctors anytime soon. They're really overworked. And with this problem of lab reports, it's something they are pretty drained by. So to describe what this is, is any diagnostic that comes back, 
may it be like a covid test a blood test x-ray it comes into an inbox so imagine doctors have their own email inbox for all of the lab reports that come in every day they're getting about 100 every single day and without enough appointments and so much demand they're often doing it on the weekends or doing it in the evenings not the best work i can't imagine us doing our best work on friday night or early on a sunday but they're still doing it but these are crucial bits of work mm. it's figuring out if you're parameters and i'm sure you know with the diagnostic yourself um slightly off is quite different to something very off it could be the early signs of something really important so we need yeah. our doctors working on that piece um, but in that inbox just like our email inbox there's lots of really standard things you could do quite easily mm -hmm. we estimate about 20 to 50 percent are very protocolizable low risk that the doctor really doesn't need to see but they're okay. still sitting there reading it filing it away and spending a few minutes per lab report, we think we can help with automating the stuff that is really safe and low risk and get more doctor time back really, because it's that is a real stretch. Clinicians are very stretched as well as admin staff. So what's interesting about, oh, sorry, Raj, go on. You're going to say something. It's about um, a shift away from our clinicians and NHS staff doing the, the admin to them setting the parameters by which the work gets done. It's or... like working. You want everyone to be working to the top of their grade. Sure. Is the, is the, is the, is the phrase, right? So if you've got doctors, you want them doing doctor things that, that will make the difference to patients and trying to solve for everything else. If that makes sense. Right. Oh, totally. Yeah. And there's, there's general consistency stuff like doing this the right course of action every single time is quite dif difficult it's, it's a safety you... net it's a safety net for you know if, if you if you can automate a whole load of stuff and make sure it's done exactly right according to a protocol it's a very it it, it creates a safety net for general practice mm. as one clinician described it to me so mm. i want to we're going to take a slight detour here so apologies to everyone that's more of a general listener because we're going to go deep into this issue of writing into the patient record at this point because oh, wow. what you've landed on there is a topic very close to my heart and one that we're sort of have been working our way through with our nhs partners on, on the poc doc side of things so are you referring to the doc man the doc man that you're referring to doc man where it gets dropped into the inbox or is this a separate separate this is lab reports so ultrasound a blood test you know th these are direct um results coming back from a lab so uh, into a into, into an e into an inbox that's associated with the practice exactly well, within it's, emis or not an, it's not an email inbox it's it's within the clinical system there is an inbox yeah. think of right. it as an inbox yeah. but it's not okay. doesn't not no. exactly that uh, so, okay. so it's going back into to the primary care system but yeah. in a generic untriaged unfiltered place yeah. right put a patient story to bring it to life imagine you know, someone that needs drug monitoring, they're taking a particular drug, the doctor would like to know the impact of that drug on them. So they'll do a three monthly blood test or six yes. month blood test. Well, lipids is a classic one where you put someone on a medium to high intensity statin, and then they have a liver function test after three months. Exactly. And what happens? Most of them are normal uh, and don't need any action, but they are still being read by the doctor. What the doctor really wants to know is when something really needs their attention, they spring to action and they work on that. Um, and then the other stuff, kind of file it away, deal with it, um, is the kind of goal that they, they can kind of get to. So mm -hmm. that's the patient journey. It, they take that blood test because they're on that drug. They go to the lab, get their blood taken. And then that result from the lab will eventually go back to the GP practice, uh, go into their system. 
Docman is more document management. So any letter right. that comes into GP practice, right, be from the pharmacy, maybe from the patient themselves. Often it's the hospital lands into yes, uh, what looks like another email inbox. And you're, you're totally right. That's a huge problem. Like they get yep. even more documents every day. Yep. And it's a filing. Like we think of scanning being one of these typical office jobs that we don't do anymore. It still right. happens. <laughs> yeah. We're still scanning paper. The um, amount of letters they get sent to your GP practice. There's, there's this like big blue sack that arrives every sort of like day. And it's just full of post and registration records that need to be keyed into the into the into the system. It's it's mind boggling. But how do you break? I mean, because some of these issues are so big and so prevalent. Like, how do you I mean, I know it's like, how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? But how, how do you get your head around the 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 idea of how to start with these things because they're so multifaceted and they're so big at one view Mm. but they're also so small at the other so i think if we were taking an mba approach we'd really have struggled if we were like oh what's this big market that we want to go after yes exactly right we would have i think we would have really struggled but it wasn't like that it was like oh what's the problem mom and dad are facing um and then we're like dealing with that problem that that uncovers another problem and then we just get started on working on it. Mm. Um, and, you know, I'd love to say that me and Pete were like such, you know, crazy visionaries that we were like, you know, we, we, we did it, we did a strategy session and they were like, yeah, healthcare, that's the market. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, first point of entry, that's great. GP practices is a great place to start, but the, the understanding <laughs> at all. We just thought about like, what do we actually really care about? What could we spend the next 20, 30 years of our lives? Like, throwing our time into you know chewing glass is the phrase right really like pushing the barriers um and and we and we just felt like healthcare was this beautiful Mm. space where that could happen and it started by helping mom and dad it's also it's a lot based on trust so with our first product i think we're in like 350 practices up and down growing quite quickly on referrals but they trust us because we're trying to do our best job ever absolutely Mm. best job and with this second product they kind of just talk to us in, you know, with full trust that, hey, great on registrations. That's admin. Can we move on to something else? And it came naturally from the crowd. Like, so, there wasn't... so your first product is the registration product. How yeah. are you solving? So you you very um, eloquently explained the problem. So how do you solve that problem? It's, it's very simple. Um, online form, right, that now exists. So a patient can fill out an online form on the GP practice website. But the details of that magically go into the clinic system and they do, and it does all of the process steps that you might expect um, for safeguarding, for example. So say if a child was to register at the GP practice, we would do a check, run a check on the clinical system to see if the if the person of stated parental responsibility was also on the clinical system before we registered the child. Okay. And these are the same things that me and Pete did when we were manually doing the registration process like that. Okay. Um, another example would be, hey put, uh, patient puts that they're a smoker on their registration form we ask them would you like smoking cessation advice if they say yes then we send them the smoking cessation advice and then code the fact that we've sent it back onto the clinical system too which is one of these micro incentives that gp practices need to hit or targets they need yeah to the quaff the quaff you got it yes yeah the quaff. quality adjusted framework yeah that's right yeah uh, out- outcomes framework no? yeah. yeah outcomes framework sorry yeah it's qualis it's the uh, yeah outcome yeah. framework my bad oh good um 
often it doesn't get done. So I think we, we talked about 100 data points. I think in reality, when there's five or six pieces of paper, they you know, admin staff don't have the time or patients often, and they may skip over it. This smoking cessation advice, what do what would the admin staff do? They'll literally have to write an email. They'll literally have to type oh, a text. Oh, wow. Right? Like so each time, completely... For an email, it's definite. For ag- for text message, they've got templates, but it's still a very manual. Imagine you ran a flower shop and you don't have any of these fantastic marketing tools. You need to manually send a piece of communication to every single customer. Right. That's where you are. Yeah. Commerce have had, had this for 20 years and GP practices are using people to send this sort of stuff out. How did it, how, how did it get to this? How, how did it end up at this situation? There's been such a lack of incredible like healthcare companies that have, that, that have started in 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 general practice, right? Or in, right. in I think the perception, and we definitely got this when you know when we did our fundraising processes. Like all the investors, like oh yeah, UK healthcare, you sure? Um, you know what about the US market? That's the really big one, etc. Um, there and uh, honestly, I feel like so many companies have not had the guts to just like st- stick out, stick out. Stick out this market, right. and so we don't have incredible software organizations. I think there's like mm-hmm. one company that, I, like in, in general practice, that I think has really transformed the space, and that's probably Accurex, right? In mm-hmm. recent history, um, you know, who've done an incredible job and actually have delivered quality products that people love and use on a daily basis. But yeah, I'm bereft to think to think of others. That... And is that is that because there's something particular about the primary care space that's off-putting to founders engineers investors you think or is it sort of just a combination of different factors yeah i think there's um a a combination i think people generally view general practice as having um a very small budget right um and it's it's very true like it's it's very underfunded in in compared to the larger healthcare system right um it's probably what like seven to eight percent of the of the budget it goes into primary care even Mm. though 90 90 yeah percent of patient contacts happen in primary care right yeah it's it's one of these you know when we saw Wes Streeting sort of um talk about it and he you know he was saying hey that's something that needs to change or flip um when we saw him sort of present and it was like and I, you know, it totally resonated. But so I think there's that perception. But also, I just think, you know, people just there's this myth that it's so difficult. Um, but actually, if you build something that that has patient outcomes, that um, saves people time and is efficient, it creates efficiencies like cost efficiencies for, for for general practice or in any healthcare setting, really, like your product, you know has a very good chance of of selling and i suppose let this be the call to other potential founders out there like mm. like get get yourself get into- involved i mean, yeah, I, I, I mean yeah. what, what's clear is that there's i mean i mean we we have this discussion you know over and over again but but what's obvious is that there there are elements in the nhs that are the sort of the areas of single biggest need if you like in the uk healthcare system and it's about how do you access them and how do you address those but there's no question that there is the areas of largest need are within the NHS. I mean, if you're in a situation where you have to hire teams of people to code bits of paper, but, but because you can't connect up an online form to a database. That's essentially what it is. <laughs> which, which is, you know. Yeah. Yeah. This is, this is basics, right? Like 
Yeah. yeah. And we, we we had the same thing with PocDoc when we started to sort of allow healthcare professionals to use the app to collect information during a health screening. Mm-hmm. It was previously where they were writing it down and mm-hmm. then they'd have to keep the piece of paper and then the piece of paper would have to go somewhere to then be written up into something. And you're talking about sort of a multi-day week process. And we didn't necessarily even think that the data collection piece of the app was really the piece that would move the needle for people but it really does and then that's when you realize oh wow you know maybe there's different levels here of where the problems are and they're not quite at the level i thought they were or maybe some of our solutions solve other problems along the way yeah yeah and there's so many this is like the the word that comes up all the time but workforce like we are very much a workforce uh solution because we we just give practice staff more time back we're doing repetitive we automate about 90 percent of the forms now so they don't have to imagine you have a piece of work to do but 90 percent of it has disappeared literally disappeared it frees you up at least like the stress and attention and they get a bit scared sometimes with all their spare time like (laughs) start going a little bit slightly oh yeah I yeah. think we're making the assumption that a single person in general practice is not busting a gut. Like they yeah. are, they are working so hard, and there's an unrelenting amount of work to do. So right, hard. never ends. It's never, just never ending. Yeah, it's, it's never ending, right? Like you know, um, that they spend their time on other stuff, and it's like it's really beautiful. Sometimes, you know, instead of doing registration forms now um we had this one guy robin he he started spending time with um some of the elderly patients to make sure that they could use the nhs app and manage their prescriptions that way right like Like actual proactive healthcare dude like actually helping people there's so many stories like this where actually like you've got this really experienced registration clerk who's who's been in general practice for 20 plus years take sue she's been in practice 20 20 plus years um has seen it evolve and change is now doing some you know valuable things for well, like, actually patients. sue this year she's now on campus yeah. at university mm-hmm. getting students to look after their health yeah. oh great so, she's in, out there with an imagine iPad. That. yeah <laughs> going from showing them pictures of her holiday in andalusia <laughs> yeah yeah getting on with the kids yeah <laughs> <laughs> but but i think i mean i love stories like that they're very human and and they show the impact of um, a simple solution that's built to solve a problem and built to user requirements so do, do you guys feel like a lot of the, the a lot of the existing infrastructure in the space was built by potentially built by software systems engineers without really thinking about the future problems that that would, would that would or could happen and it was a l- less building against user requirements and user stories more sort of building it from the point of view of a technologist if that makes any sense or an engineering mindset yeah i mean Pete can give this perspective but it was just 30 years ago i mean like look right we tried right they, tried. they did a great they did a great job before they, our time but they did a great they did job, a great job right back in the day ago. right like right. 30 years ago the best they could do and then they <laughs> built off of it they built the best they could do and uh, you know i think generally people are good natured and trying really hard it's just it's still a solid system. You compare it to secondary care systems and it's like, again, light years ahead, they, they'd say. But it's built as a data store with 100 functions slapped on top of it in, right. instead of what, what we currently need, which is a system that helps us with work, that is work yeah. optimized. Mm. And you look at modern EHRs in the world and they don't just show and take data. They 
take the next step, um, which is what we're trying to do. We get registrations, which is data, but then we take the next step, which is send you a smoking cessation advice. We've got to go for our final commercial break in a second. But when we get back, let's pick up that conversation about an EHR because particularly in the UK, that way has been sort of littered with disasters and, you know, wrecks. However, um, I think it's something that that may be coming back or maybe like a destination that we need to get to. So it'd be great to get your take on that. We will be back after our final commercial break with Raj and Pete from Health Tech One. We'll be right back. The station that makes you feel good. When you vacation with Norwegian Cruise Line, every day is a new day. Get a taste for Barcelona, then savor incredible dining options back on board one day. Connect to ancient history in Athens and then disconnect completely in our spa another day. Wherever the sea breeze takes you, come aboard and experience a different tomorrow with NCL. Visit ncl.com, call your travel agent, or call 0333-336-1472. Norwegian Cruise Line, Ships Registry, the Bahamas and USA. Apples and pears, beef and skittles, cider with rosy, common or garden. Ant and Deck, Fish and Chips, Mum and Dad. UK Health Radio and Health Triangle Magazine. Each is good by itself, but enjoying both is always better. Add Health Triangle Magazine to your monthly health regime. Check it out at ukhealthradio.com. The cancer diagnosis can be scary and stressful for everyone involved. Hello Love is a contemporary living space and well-being center in central London where anyone can come and learn about illness prevention and non-toxic practice. Inside, you will find a vegan restaurant, juice bar, and holistic dojo that encourage lifestyle changes to help heal mind, body, and spirit connection. Cancer patients are offered free sessions. To find out more, please visit us at hellolove.org. UK Health Radio, the station that makes you feel good. Hello and welcome back to the final part of this week's Health Tech Hour with me, Steve Roost, and my guests today, Raj and Pete, who are the co-founders of Health Tech One. So before the break, we were talking a bit about, we started to talk about this idea of an electronic health record. And Raj, you also mentioned that, the I think I can't remember whether it was Raj or Pete, you mentioned that the the secondary prevention, the secondary care system is actually even further behind than the primary care system. And so how... In the context of everything that you're doing, this this idea of an electronic health record is quite a buzzword, obviously. And I suspect it's one of those words that means slightly different things to different people. And because in, in theory, there are electronic health records already that exists. The data is existing as an electronic format, but some people think it might be something different. So what's your view on that whole issue? And yeah, let's start there. What's your view on it? Oh, huge question. Um, yeah, I could. Okay. I, th- I I got halfway through it, and I was trying to make it more specific, and then I just I just backed out. And just, <laughs> yeah. And um, look, electronic health records are really important, right? Um, 
they are where all our data is is stored um what's what's missing in for healthcare organizations is like a workflow a workflow automation that sits on top that does all the administration work mm-hmm. um and that's what we're like aspiring to build um we've thought about like you know of course like every health tech company has thought about building a he- electronic health record yeah it's like the, it's like the um it's like the holy grail right or it's like yeah why don't we we could be the ones it could be us <laughs> it could be it could be us yeah literally pete when we we're on mute on the over the commercial bank he goes i promise i won't say that we're going to build a health <laughs> <laughs> the urge in me was <laughs> yeah um uh, you know and that's and, and, and but for me like I, do we need like okay well do we have it i don't understand like that's what well, i mean we, about it means different things to different people yeah sure um so uh, electronic health record is essentially a um a, a database of of, of of patients details but also a uh, an interface for clinicians to document your details and do the work that they need to do i um, for me i think that this is how i think about it it's that with a universal universality to it mm. uh, of of your, your all of your health interactions and universal access at any point in the healthcare system so a primary mm. A primary care can access the same file secondary care can access the same file social care what everything goes into that one place and everybody has that access that's what it means to me but i don't know whether that's right or well, wrong yeah well i mean yeah technically like there are a lot each company creates their own electronic health record um, right us there are like 900 electronic health records that exist. <laughs> great that sounds amazing. Yeah, that sounds, yeah, that's why they've got all sorts of integration challenges. In the UK, we probably are like, you know, less than 50, right? Um, let, let's let's just say yeah. that actually have any meaningful significance. Um, so it's, it's a much, it's a much better space to build, you know, build things um, in, in that, in that regard. But like the, the thought was like, do, do, do we need to build another electronic health record? Uh, the what one record to rule them all? Like, yeah, exactly. What, like the Lord of the records. Yeah. Yeah. Lord of the records. Yeah. Is that what we need? Yeah. Or, or do we need something that like helps the ones that we've got at the moment and uh, communicate better between them? Um, yeah. I think that's our, our aspiration. I, I could throw some thoughts in here. So please just to lock it into primary care, not secondary. We only hear from GPs that have worked in secondary care that it's a world apart. So yeah, build health tech too when that comes, when we go to secondary <laughs> care. Yeah. Um, I, I come from a modern perspective, which is, you know, I've worked in many tech startups and most recently saw Monzo. What was that Monzo? And they built a bank in a space of decades old banks, like very right. old institutions. And also have a bit of a marketing automation background. Anyway, other worlds have incredible software solving similar problems at scale cheaply mm. and very well so when i think about managing population health i often think about marketing and i go well if you need to send messages to 100 people about some behavior change you know read this article people are doing this but for their new book that they're releasing using mailchimp and they're automating it whilst they're sleeping so there's this weird feeling of the current record works let's improve what we have there's also a, you know, we're transferring knowledge from other industries where we've seen other technologies absolutely own this problem. It's a solved problem. It's just maybe it's a distribution thing, not a development thing. So the, the core functions I think are not good enough. Like a doctor needs to be able to see pertinent information immediately. It's you're scrolling through five pages of lots of different 
context. If you don't have good graphs, you can't see images well. You need to switch context. La-di-da, even viewing the record, it's not optimized. Right. And then that's a single patient level. Once you go to population health, it's even worse. And we're right. now exporting data into spreadsheets and then using spreadsheets. To Is that what happens? Yeah. yeah. So you'd right. export, say, all the diabetics that need a health check. Right. And then you give it to a person. Yeah. And like in the 90s with sales, you're just going down the list one by one. And this wow. is, you know, this is solved. And I, I'm not happy that this isn't solved at all. And I, I do have a personal take on it to think that we, we deserve better. And it's like a Stockholm syndrome. We're victims of like just accepting what's there and believing but, that. Do you, but do, do the people within the system think that way too? Have they been sort of conditioned to believe this couldn't be better? as well or are they like railing against it being like oh my god i really wish we could figure this out this drives me mad i think it's like so many people have come along over the years and said oh we're gonna fix this problem and okay right right so you know they've they've heard it said many times never delivered right right and, and and this is this is it right like when we work in general practice like the fact that we've actually built something that solves someone's problem like people go ape shit because it's like it's like wow this actually worked you didn't yeah. just like, like so it wasn't like snake oil it yeah, actually it did it oil. yeah it's, the bar is really low right <laughs> yeah. and, like and how sad is that yeah like, you know like that, that that's the case but also yeah it's just like what's oh um so on that on that topic like how um when you've been talking to people about your first product, the automation of the uh, of, of the the record registration um, documentation, have there been people that have been sort of pushing back on it, or what have the objections been, if if any? Like, I'm just curious to sort of to see if anyone's actually had any real logical, or is it just uh, is it sort of is, has there not been any? Just curious. Yeah, on, honestly, like if the, the difficulty is getting time with a GP like somebody within a GP practice to, right. to to give us the airtime to talk about the problem and how we're solving it. Um, but once that happens, like pretty much everybody is like, oh my God, yeah, let's start, let's start tomorrow. You know, mm. it's interesting. Sorry, it's, that, it's really it's interesting because the kind of perceived wisdom, like you said earlier in the show, as that, oh, it's really hard to sell. It's really hard to work in, in primary care. GP is super fragmented. It's really difficult. So on and so forth. Not absolute nonsense. Like, you know, G GP practices are full of like super innovative, like people who want to change the way they work and they just need, it's, it's on the responsibility of the providers to actually give them something worth, worth, you know, worth using. Um, and like, they are under so much pressure at the moment. Things yeah. need to change and there is a, a burning desire to change stuff we're willing to really deeply understand the problem and that resonates it's very cliche right in health or any tech business but like we literally did you know thousands of registrations manually on one of these I, two. I love that and, and i think actually you'd be really surprised about how many people or businesses founders just aren't prepared or mm. aren't or it doesn't even occur to them to do that and maybe they don't have the opportunity i mean you 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 had an opportunity because your parents ran a gp surgery yeah. it, it, but you still took it and you still did it i mean you could have given up after doing 10 registrations you could have not like i wanted to yeah. <laughs> but i'm i'm a huge believer in in um whether you call it eating glass raj like you said or you you have to live in the um customers or potential customers you, you have to really get under the skin of it and if you're not prepared to do that then 
maybe you shouldn't be focusing on that area. Yeah. Yeah. I got it. Yeah. Totally true. Um, and I imagine that gets you quite a lot of um, soft, unspoken credibility within what you're talking about because you actually have done it. You're not just technology people that have tried to build a product and sell it in. You actually went through it. Yeah, definitely. I think that just comes across in the way you speak about a particular subject. You know, you'll know the the nuances of a process. You'll know what their concerns are even before you've you've spoken to them. Um, and that's yeah, you know, that's just going all in on the problem and really getting that. that They've that. thought the thought. I wish someone else could do this for me yeah, for for decades. Like yeah, the registration screen has not changed in ten years. Mm. So they've been doing the same thing year in year out and they've thought the same thing can someone just do this for me mm. and when we come into the conversation say hey we can do it for you they quiz us on whether you know it well etc right. but are really you just are you just are you just a another software website designer or company that wants yeah. to are you going to make me do all this work to get started? Have I got to redesign your process for you, mate? And right. you know, what's uh, the lock-in? What's the exit fee? What's yeah, the ongoing fee? Yeah, right. right. We say, look, we charge you if we do the work and there's no lock-in. You can leave whenever right. you, yeah. which is quite different. Not different in the consumer world. You could get yeah. Netflix Prime or whatever. Yeah, you, you <laughs> can you imagine the Netflix lock-in? Like, no, mate, it's two years. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> That's two years. you wouldn't Um, you wouldn't work um and and i suppose like i suppose that's mine and pete's sort of like you know one of the things we care deeply about is like like getting incredible people to not be wasting their time on like web three i gotta forget make some enemies um and and spend their time like on on import actually important problems like like our healthcare system in this country and and there are so many bright talented people that don't think oh yeah healthcare is where i want to work but uh, honestly like you know i used to work in you know i used I was a i was a management consultant i worked for you know i did i and i was in the, the the canary wharf in the in top floors of was those your accenture when you were in yeah accenture. Back, back at accenture right and right. you know everything was about and so many people will be able to resonate with this but everybody it was all the all of the conversation was about like oh actually it was about how we can get my manager promoted right in right. In, in some senses rather right. than like can we do incredible work and actually deliver value for well that for... but that i mean that's partly the issue when you're when you're i find in those sort of like consultancy slash you're you're working for clients but actually what you're trying to do is get the client to take your solution yeah right in in a you're trying to consult them and exert your sort of influence over them to yeah build and run their business the way that you decide that they should that's not really the same as selling them anything or helping them necessarily yeah or more simply selling the next project right right you you do project one so that you can sell project two right yeah um yeah and and that's completely different to how the nhs operates it's one of these beautiful spaces where when you when you work in the space of like money and 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 profit are so far removed from the day to day, you know people genuinely care about delivering the best value for their patients. They are just you know inhibited by the tools that exist. And I think that was one of the, like the most incredible things when we started working in healthcare. I, I experienced a piece there too. Is that like this feeling of, oh my god, like like this is 
this is something I can die for, you know, like this is something that I can spend a huge amount of time. And I've got like, I've actually it's, it's got huge, a purpose. Hugely, it's, it, it's hugely rewarding having that mission and having that. I, I completely share it. So I, I totally understand. It's, it's And it's incredible. Um, it's incredible to be part of something that has a higher purpose. Yeah, yeah right. And and I, what, and I, I honestly, that's the, you know, that's the thing that, you know, it scares me it's like my god that feeling of purpose and fulfillment right in that way it was something that i never knew i needed um <laughs> when you're in canary I, wharf yeah i didn't know you know top yeah. buildings thinking maybe i needed you know like yeah yeah it, it was it was one of those one of those ones um well yeah in purpose and so we've got i've got one more minute yeah so just sure. quickly what i'd like to just do i always do this in the last minute which is really quickly what keeps you going on your mission through those dark times through those tough times what what have you guys kind of relied on to and um, sort of in a way of sharing that with the listeners in the interest of they might get something from that as well yeah. within a minute no pressure we're gonna get an answer because we're, we're just doing performance reviews for everybody today. <laughs> right we get to work in this company with some some absolutely incredible people um, right. who are so driven so mission oriented and want to do their life's best work um and like work waking up and working with those people every day it, it's a it's it's a pleasure you know life becomes a pleasure um and that's you know you know you know that's that's what we're doing at the moment we're like we're recruiting a lot at the moment we've got three open roles different things and we've just completed a, a fundraise off the back of y combinator um yeah. and we are like really looking to you know attract incredible people to work in this space mm. because it's, it's a great place to go good well johan's waving at me so we got to draw it to the end but thank you very much raj and thank Pete. you very much health tech uh one thank you so much for coming yeah. on and um i'll speak to you soon guys thanks to everyone for listening we'll be back again next week happy birthday happy, happy birthday johan happy birthday <laughs> <laughs>